Hello and welcome to the first episode of the From the Gravel Track podcast. Uh, I'm Josh Chambers. And I'm James Stanley. And we are two lifelong motor racing fans uh, that wanted to start a podcast to give a fan's perspective on the news, results, headlines, race days of MotoGP, World Superbike and British Superbike. In today's episode, we're going to be having a look at the MotoGP paddock to see where the riders have moved to and from. We're going to have a little look to see how they did in the test that's just happened over in Qatar. Then we're going to have a little look at this week's Rising Star, which is brought to you by Beyond Motorsport. The first team we're going to be looking at is Aprilia. Last season, I think it's pretty fair to say their bike was the worst bike on the grid. Um, on the one side of the garage, they had Alicia Spargro. He was there the entire year. And to be fair, he did a he probably outperformed the bike. He did... Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, Alicia as well, part of the furniture at Aprilia yeah, at this point. He's been there for quite a few years now, and he's really st- stabled himself down in that role as the number one rider. He finished 17th with 42 points, which, considering when you're looking at the bike itself, is uh, quite a good achievement, especially comparing that to his teammates. Um, Smith. I don't think either of us particularly rate Smith that highly. No, I mean, competitively, he's not been as good as promised earlier in, in a, on a GP bike, at least. Testing, he seems to be consistent. He's what a team seems to need in that role. Um, and then I'm sure you, you'll be going on to say about bringing in Salvadori at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, but for... For from my perspective, it was why did he only come in for the last three rounds when Bradley Smith had done all that time yeah. before? I think it's mainly down to. I think they had a good good idea of Smith not going to be their guy. Like you said, excellent tester. He knows exactly what he's talking about. He's very much Michael Laverty esque, as in really detailed into the into the bike and how it works, which makes for a great test test rider. But yeah. Like you said, he just hasn't got that raw pace which he showed early in his career. So that I think they thought, may as well, got nothing to lose, bring in Savadori, who was their test rider at the time, I'm pretty sure. But then in the like the last three races, he was 25th, but a rock bottom of the championship. Didn't score a point. Didn't look like he was ever going to score a point. And he was... He didn't look any good. So it was a real surprise when they did sign him on this season. But I think they were caught out by the rider market more than anything. By the time they came around to signing people, that all the main guys were gone. And the only person they were left with was Dovey. Right, exactly. And look what's the news that's come out today. Yeah, he's got himself a three-day test, which I think... And this is Davizioso. Yeah, Dovey. He's got himself a three-day test in Jerez. Yeah, so that's taking place uh, around the 12th of April. That's yes, right, after the two Qatar races. I'm... So looking at back at Alicia's season, he did have, like we said earlier, a really good season. He's had, he had three results in the top 10, coming in Bruno, which was, let's say, a bit of a strange race when, with the circuit. Um, but, he did, but he did beat both the factory Ducatis that race, which can't be looked down upon. And then also Valencia and Portimao towards the end of the season. So, 
Yeah, looking at those results, I mean, he had five non-finishes throughout the year. Um, but the the races that he did finish, you know, they're all around the top 10. If you go through the finishes, it's 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 12th, 14th, 13th, and then 8th and 9th at the end of the year. So it's in and around the top 10. Obviously, he'd obviously like to have those higher ones, um, but certainly proving his worth for the, for the bike. Certainly, certainly pushing it to and beyond its limit every single race weekend and that's and the great thing about Alish is he he has got that great one lap pace which was shown in Bruno where he qualified fourth which really is an incredible achievement on that bike it will be really interesting to see how Savadori does in a full season he didn't he didn't show much speed or pace over a race distance or over one lap so it will be interesting to see if if he gets the full season first of all Unless well, I was just, Dovey, yeah, Dovey I was, I was about good to, uh, and they can offer him a good amount of money, I'm sure he'll be in there. Because, yeah, yeah, he's you know that's that's the seat that the you know the revolving door of Aprilia on that bike. If we go back, you know Scott Redding, Sam Lowe's, and then Ian One, and we we know what's what's gone on there with the the illegal substances results. Um, that was what led to this this situation last year and you know you've got to believe that Savadori and Smith will still be part of the test team but if they can get a a racing caliber rider like Andrea Di Vizioso they, they're gonna you know snap that Certainly. Up straight and, and they actually haven't got a test rider at all yet so it'll be interesting to see if Dobby oh. does get the ride who's then going to be the test rider is it going to be Savadori or is it going to be Smith or is it going to be someone else so now moving on to the test over at Qatar, it's fair to say Alish was very, very, very impressive. But we know he's got that one one lap speed, but he was consistently quick over the four days, which is really impressive, especially like on the bike, to be up and around the top five, top ten. Really, really yeah. good. Which I think is the main reason Dovi's, like, you must have saw that and like, his ears pricked up. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say a real selling point for Dovi has got to be yeah. that test, as in, look what this bike can yeah. actually do. Precisely. I mean, one of one of only two manufacturers at that test to have a new motorcycle as well, yes. them and KTM. So it was the selling factor. This was this was the sales pitch to Dovi, and it looks like it may have worked. And it's at least got him on the bike, and if he's if he feels confident in it, I'm sure he will get back because nobody likes to not race for a season. Uh, yeah, exactly. And you know what happens if he if Dobby did end up sitting out the season? Is there going to be anything that comes up in the future? I, I personally don't think there was will be because he'll be. I think starting next season he'll be 35. And yeah. Especially with the amount of talent coming through Moto Two, Moto Three, and World Superbike paddock, and even the British Superbikes, if you look at like Jake Dixon, for example, it's like yeah, there's yeah, so much definitely. good young talent. Would you really want to pay the big bucks for a 35 year old who hasn't raced in a year? I mean, the the only thing that I could think of would be like a, a Zarco situation from when he left KTM. Yeah which was waiting for an, an injury 
to to happen so he could jump in like he did for Nakagami in in 2019 yeah. uh, for those last few rounds which effectively got him the Avintia ride for for last year um but nobody wants to be no. hanging on to you know wishing yeah. for injury and basically being the paddock backup yeah. rider now looking at the other side of the garage unfortunately Savadori was still showing the same pace as he was end of last season he was towards the bottom of the timesheets well over a second behind Alicia's speed, which, as a teammate, he's your he's your benchmark because yeah, he may like anyone you put on the bike, it's still the same bike. You've got to be able to do the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's at the end of the day, he is on that team for yeah. a reason. You know, otherwise there'd be somebody exactly. else like, in that seat. We 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 are looking at this lane. Ah, oh, we sound like we're slating him a bit, but at the end of the day, these are all top top quality riders. It's just those small, small percentages here and there which change them from good to great to elite. Which you've got to do through maybe more experience, which hopefully we'll get. He's got at least the first yes. two races. It has actually come out, though, and said he's dealing with a shoulder injury he's picked up. And he's, he doesn't expect to still be 100% fit for even the first race, which could maybe explain why he's so far behind Alicia's pace. With the shoulder injury, is he going to be fit enough to put in a good performance in those first two races to show them you don't need to replace me? I don't know if he's going to be able to. So we we actually uh, ordered the way we were going to talk about the teams um, in terms of reverse order of highest rider in the championship. So we started with Aprilia because uh, Alish was 17th overall in the championship last year uh, believe it or not the next team we are going to talk about is the Repsol Honda team and I'm, I'm I thought I would just throw some stats out to you um, to start with Stanley and just see what you you thought about this when I was doing my research okay, okay? so take these with a pinch of salt Obviously, Mark Marquez was out for the year. We know that horrible, horrible arm injury. But 2020 was the worst year under the Repsol banner in terms of results, Mm -hmm. with the lead rider, which being Alex Marquez, was 14th in the championship overall. And the second rider, although it was, you know, testing rider, standing rider, Stefan Bradl, he was 19th, and that equaled the worst rider result for the team with Lorenzo's from 2019 when he was really injured. Wow. That, that's, that is remarkable. Because Bradle's no slouch. He's a world champion. No. No. I mean, I know they said that they were basically still getting him to test yeah. a lot and not letting him have, have free yeah. reign. Um you know, and Stefan Brado still, you know, 19th in the championship. Like we said, with when Lorenzo was there, he had that injury-prone year. Um, it happens to even the top talent, but still a combined 14th and 19th under the Repsol banner. This is going back to, you know, 500cc yeah. days. Um, also, Honda, manufact- fifth in the manufacturer standings. That is the lowest in the previous MotoGP era. Before that, the lowest was third in 2008. That's hard to imagine because all the time I've ever been watching, they've been top two teams, top three teams, 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. The whole unimaginable. Yeah, yeah, and the biggest thing as well, no wins. Oh yeah, I I, I didn't. I forgot about that actually. No wins. You know, Alex Marquez when he was on that bike last year for Repsol, he did. He he really came on. I would say it's a strong rookie year. We'll talk about this a little bit further when we get onto the LCR team. Um, but yeah, two second places was their, their best finishes. And I mean, when you look at those stats, how much does Mark Marquez bring to that team? Is is everything? It's it's superhuman. I mean, that injury, the broken humerus in that right arm. He had three operations. He had a bone graft. He had two titanium plates. He had an infection in it in the end, and. Even with all that, he was back on a GP bike yesterday as of this recording at Catalonia. I mean, wow, that just a superman. Yeah. I, I saw some of the some video footage and some photography from it. And even even like it's his first time back on a GP bike, he's got his elbow down going around corners. It, it's remarkable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what what do you feel Mark Marquez is? ceiling his prospects for this year would be me personally i i honestly think he will win the championship this year right okay so like me superman getting back on that bike i mean i'm not as confident as you i'm not sure that mark will win the championship but i reckon he'll be up there he'll be challenging but you know that's such a horrific injury and to that right arm but I mean we've just got to see with that one so obviously Mark wasn't at the official test um, so his new teammate Paul Aspagaro who's new to the Repsol Honda team this year he was there he was sixth fastest overall on average lap time so Paul coming in he was fifth overall last year with the Fatsha KTM team that was his best standing yet in MotoGP that was his best finish surpassing his from his rookie year in 2014 when he was with uh, the monster tectoy yamaha team where he was sixth overall so he's he's basically come back through that development with ktm to back to that level of almost his rookie year um he signed that deal back in july and i think that was probably the the best the the worst kept secret in the in the entire paddock and so those four years with KTM, he had five podium finishes last year. He's yet to crack the top two steps of the podium. I mean, this year, I mean, you've got to believe Definitely. it. Uh, I was, I, I, I'm not going to say blown away because that's too too far, but I certainly didn't expect him to be as quick as he was straight off the bat. Because I know they say there are a lot of similarities, but I don't think that, like, I think he even said himself, they're completely different. The only, the only like, sort of similarity is that you've got to really push the bike really hard to get it to work. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the similarities to him and Marquez is, you know, apart from both being Spanish, <laughs> that they are both aggressive riders. And that's probably what that Honda really needs. But when you look at the people who've jumped on it next to Marquez over the last few years, that, that sixth fastest average lap time from the test is really a, a shot out there isn't it it's this is my first time on the bike and look what Definitely. i can do he's certainly going to be up there contending 
So the next team we're moving on to is the Avintia Esponsorama and the Sky Racing VR46 Ducatis. Um, um, they've got an all-new rider lineup with Rabat moving off to World Superbikes and then Zarka moving up, which we'll talk about in a bit. These two open spots, these two rookies come into the class from Moto2. These being the Moto2 champion himself, Anaya Bastianini, and then one of his Moto2 championship rivals, Andy happens to be Valentino Rossi's half-brother, Luca Marini. Both of these will be riding on the GP20 Ducati, which is the season just gone model. Yeah. Yeah, and it's um, looking at it, Marini is a... I don't know if he's, you know, had a growth spurt over the summer like a teenager or whether that bike just makes him look enormous. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, he's certainly quite gangly, a lot of limbs. He's like, I'd say I'd probably describe him as a skinnier Scott Redding. Not that Scott Redding's chubby or anything. <laughs> I'll cut that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> When we eventually hit it big and have him on as a guest, we can play it back. <laughs> uh, looking at the test, it was it was clear that how he was how his gangliness effectively was is holding him back slightly because we all know the Ducati is a quick quick bike in a straight line. Oh yeah, I mean when you look at the average top speeds for that test, the Ducatis were at the top of that yeah. list. And the only one who wasn't, who was the bottom of the Ducatis, was Marini. In fact, he actually got pipped by your boy we just spoke about, Paulus Bergara. That shows how much of a disadvantage he's at. That, well, it's quite frankly, it's, it's lucky he's on a Ducati. Because <laughs> if he was on, say, a Yamaha or something like that, he would, he'd be really suffering. Yeah, yeah. They'll have to get him one of those. Uh... Really big screens, like on the uh, the Isle of Man TT bikes. When you look at the times from the two riders, it's kind of what you'd expect to see from their rookies in the first proper test of the year. Like we say, it took a bit longer for Marini to get into the swing things, but this is more to do with the ergonomics of him literally not fitting on the bike at first properly. Like I saw some of the photos were ridiculous. Both of the riders were towards the bottom. Of the like the average times again expected first test still learning the bike. Bastianini was the quicker of the two. Again, could this be just down to having more actual time on the bike in terms of yeah proper proper time on it where they're not trying to figure out the best way to put him on it. Yeah. And I mean, that's going to be an interesting team in itself, isn't it? With basically two separate teams within a team. Yeah. You've got like, the, the VR the... Sky Racing VR46 run side of it, and then the Avintia spon- Sponsorama Rubens House led side of it. Both yeah, on the same yeah. machine. So it'll be, in... we'll, we'll yeah. be interesting. It makes to see. me wonder how, how much data they'll share with each other, whether it is like a teammate situation. Or whether it is, you know, we're under one umbrella, but we're not talking. Yeah, exactly. It'll be interesting to see how they progress. It will be. Especially when looking at last season, because 
after the first bit of the season, Marini just he was kind of storming it. it. Was I was I was sitting there, but put me personally, I was sitting there watching it, thinking, well, he's pretty much the Moto Two champion. He, mm. he looked undefeatable. Yeah, yeah. Then he had that big yeah. crash at Le Mans, and then it seemed to it wasn't the same after that. Where Bastianini, no, no, I mean ultra consistent. Yeah, Bastianini last year so consistent, so consistent. I mean, we'll um. We'll have a look into that uh, a little bit later in the show, actually. A little bit of a spoiler for you. There. <laughs> yeah. Well, talking of, of split teams, um, I've got a split team next. So the next team we, we're moving on to is the uh, LCR Honda squad. So we've got the uh, the Indomitsu side and the, the Castrol racing side. Uh, so on the Castrol side of the garage, uh, a difficult year last year. Uh, they had Cal Krepslow last year and, you know, that was really a difficult year due to the injury. He missed the first round due to battling through um, those injuries Injuries, and, you know, came back 18th overall last year with Cal. And we know he's retired uh, from the racing side, at least, and moved on to the, the testing side with the Yamaha. Um, and what a fantastic uh, paint livery they had on that oh, bike for the test. It was gorgeous. The, the the classic look of of Yamaha racing. I mean, they should bring it back more Definitely. often, in my opinion. It's it's a shame that they've got so obviously they've got so much sponsor commitments to make that delivery as a whole wouldn't be like, wouldn't be possible or feasible over the entire season. But and a race, yeah, yeah. maybe two races here and there per year would be really nice to see. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, try and tweet out a picture of that if you haven't seen it uh, on our Twitter. Which is the Twitter handle at FTGT Podcast. So we'll we'll try and get that picture up on there. So if you haven't seen that beautiful livery, you definitely need to go in there and check it out. Um, but replacing Cal for this year is Alex Marquez. He's he's slid across. Uh, he's still on a factory HRC contact a contract coming over from Repsol he should be getting all the toys that the Repsol boys are getting but you know the, we've heard contentious things about that before mm-hmm. um in terms of Alex you know an up and down rookie year last year uh, highlighted by a pair of back-to-back second places Le Mans and Aragon and you know he looked so strong at Aragon uh and towards the end of that season before a couple of retirements and a return to sort of the lower mid pack finishing the year um as a rookie 14th overall what do you think good rookie year um, overall i'd say yeah it is a good rookie year cuz he's never been when you look back at his moto 3 moto 2 he's never been a quick starter it's always took him 2 3 years to kind of get up to speed before he he's battling for championships and race wins on a regular basis I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Looking at that that form that he's had in the in the lower, I do think he was quite benefited with Mark's injury because once Mark was out, you saw him like helping him from time to time, and you saw a lot more HRC presence in his side of the garage, which would have been with Mark. They were then with Alex a lot more. Well, see, that's interesting. So I I would have thought, I'm sure you're right that the HRC side, but having your brother as a teammate who's with you every week, every session, would that have been beneficial to him as well? Certainly. 
certainly. But again, you've what we what you see Mark do on a day to day basis is like becoming like impossible when you look at it. Some of the stuff he can do on a bike. So yeah, it, yeah, Can't exactly. It. It's raw talent. Obviously, Alex yeah. is extremely talented. Is he Mark level talented? We'll wait to see. Mark's always said he's better than him. He's always said Alex has been the better racer out of the two of them. Yeah, you t- you took the words out of my mouth there. That uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to wait and see on that one. Like like we said, in the lower classes, it's taken two three years. Um, I mean, what what do we expect this time round? Is an improvement, I guess. It's it's he's had that year on the bike. Yes, it's a change of team. Um, but still, you know, HRC contracted, mm-hmm. supported. I'm, I'm uh, expecting a slow start. Cat- Mainly, the test he wasn't great. I think he crashed five times in four days, and, he's, and he broke his foot. Yeah, yeah, and he, you know, he was 18th average lap time across the test, 10th highest top speed. Like we said, lots of jumping off the bike, an injury, not the best no, time. Definitely not how you want to start. New season, new team. Yeah, yeah. And talking of going into a new team, for me, that bike looks fantastic. Oh, it, it is up there for one of the best liveries. To to me, it just it's it's a it's always going to be a MotoGP bike. It's got more sponsors, but it's a bit of a throwback to like the the twenty eleven Tenkate World Superbike Honda that Johnny Ray had with the Castrol and and even going back as far as like two thousand and one with the Honda Britain British Supersport team that John McGuinness rode for. Just that Castrol colour, fantastic really. We'll we'll try and post some of those out so you can see them as well on the Yeah, Twitter. I always was a big fan of when they put the Castrol livery on um Cal Crutchlow's L C R. That that was always yeah. like a a highlight in terms of livery in the past. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, we looked to the other side of the garage. The Indomitsu uh, side of the garage remains uh, unchanged. Well, in terms of livery, they've added a nice gold slash. Yeah, a little golden strip at the bottom. This side of the garage is still sees Takanakagami retained. Uh, this time he's got, you know, a multi-year contract through to 2022 uh, with LCR. For the first time, he'll also receive the factory spec machinery for this season, which is huge. Um, you you've got to believe he deserves it, though. I mean, Mister Consistency, Mister Honda Twenty Twenty, really with with Mark. Yeah, he, he was the the bright light. Yeah, yeah. All races finished inside the top ten. He had the first pole position for a Japanese rider in nearly sixteen years, and but then we get on to where that success took him and what happened after that pole position, it was a fall. And it was, it was that the Terrell Grand Prix, the arrogant second one, you know, fall from pole position. He gets third on the grid at Valencia and then falls again. It it almost appears like when you, when you watch him race, he doesn't struggle to overtake, but it's harder than most. And like, Especially, I think this was really shown in his crash in the Valencia going into the final corner. I think he was trying to get underneath Zarco, and it's like he he yeah, can't do it. Yeah. He can't do it. He can't do it. Then when he then he kind of like forces himself to do a a move that's just not going to work. Exactly, and 
you know, hopefully he's matured. There's been talk about from his manager saying that what he's got to focus on is getting the job done and being calmer and that maturity coming through. And, you know, we, we should see it. This is going into his, I think, fifth year with the team. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, the expectations there are going to be inside the top 10, easily top five. It's, it's got to be. It's got to be because that's the issue when you show glimpses of excellence. You can say that because the poll, it looked, that whole weekend at Aragon looked like it was going to absolutely storm the rest. It was it was yeah, the exactly. perfect weekend, except for the Sunday. Uh, yeah, and if if he'd kept his cool, yeah. who knows? And we'll never know, as is racing. The punishment doesn't fit the crime. But uh, in the test, 14th fa- fastest average lap time overall over the days. That's slower than Stefan Bradl doing the test rider role. Bit disappointing, maybe? Yeah, it's got to say, it's uh, definitely a bit disappointing. You would expect him to be up in there, that top 10. That's where I'm at least closer to that that yeah. top 10. I mean, it, there was a fantastic traction control <laughs> yes. error, um, which has been going around on, on social media, where it looked like a drag racer uh, at one point during a practice start of the start line. And again, we'll, we'll share that video uh, on Twitter so you can take a look at it if you haven't seen it already. But wow, I, I don't think I've ever seen a GP bike start no, that was, way. It was... Reminiscent of Mark Marquez's practice start in the wet that time, and it yes, went yeah. side to side, and somehow he saved it. But this this is in the dry; it's like no TC at all, and it was just spin, smoke everywhere. It it was it was great to see, to be fair. Oh, just the power oh, that can come out of it, these bikes! It's amazing really, to see how much really the traction control does. If you if you get what I mean, it's like. Without it there, you see, you're yeah. like, wow, <laughs> that's what they can do. Exactly. And, uh, I'll move on to the next team, um, which is the, the Tektuar KTM factory racing uh, team for this year. Now, this was formerly the Red Bull Tektuar KTM team, um, but dropping that sponsorship has led to an absolutely beautiful bike. Oh, I mean, that orange wow just wow it is reminiscent of the old 250 cc ktms of hero ayama and and mika calio and just oh i love it love it and the the team had so much success um last year the double race winners with Oliveira uh finishing off the season as well with that that win um so you've got to believe that the, the confidence is there They've retained the services of Ico Laquona, uh, 20th overall last year in his rookie year. Um, I loved his style in Moto2 on the Qatari Federation bike uh, when he was there, you know, sideways most of the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Very, very Craig Jones-esque. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he had quite an up and down year for, for his rookie year. You know, he started three DNFs, had a couple of top tens, ended the year at home due to COVID issues with his brother, his assistant, and then finally himself. And that was the last oh, three I, rounds. I, I out felt the window. for him in those last one because he was slowly building, and they all you get that extra extra something from your home GP. 
and the Valencia being having the two rounds at Valencia for him was really big. I, he, you could tell he was absolutely devastated when he wasn't able to race there. Exactly, and like you say, he started off with three three retirements, a ninth place, tenth place. Then you know he dropped down fourteenth, fifteenth around for a few races. He got back to that ninth, bit of confidence, and then bam, the thing that's been, you know the dreaded COVID situation for the last year. Um, and he, Equal Clone is joined this year by new teammate, former Ducati rider, Daniello Petrucci. Uh, 12th last year. Um, talk about peaks and oh. valleys in a year, though. Oh. You know, around, around the top 10, but two one-point scoring finishes, two no-point scoring finishes. And then he wins yeah, at Le Mans. It was that was a remarkable wet wet race performance. Yeah, untouchable, untouchable. He was, I love the emotion he showed mm. afterwards in the interview as well. He's, he, oh yeah, he, he just yeah. Gen, he sounds like a genuine nice person, which is why I've always kind of liked Petrucci. He's, he's a very likable person in the paddock, a bit like Morbidelli. Yeah, yeah, I imagine that you know ex Italian police officer. I mean, you yes. wouldn't want to. Get on the bad yeah. side of it, anyway. <laughs> I mean, he was sixth in 2019. Yeah, he was definitely and benefit of an early contract with the Tech Three. Yeah, yeah, I I would say so. In that sixth place finish in 2019, he's had a win in both the last two years. It's kind of which Petrucci are they going to get? I think are they going to get? the really motivated guys, the bike going to work for him for a start. It's quite different to Ducati. So which one are we going to see? I really hope we see the successful motivated yeah, guy. Definitely. And you'd like to think you're going to get that one as well. Cause he was kind of not as he was kind of kicked out. He was pushed to one side and he's got a point to prove. You, you'd want to think he's going to be really up for this season. I think he, you know, if that bike works for him, with a point to prove, he's going to yes, be dangerous. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, there was a, he was obviously trying during the test. There was a spectacular video of him riding through literally a sandstorm. Um, it looks like it's wet weather. <laughs> the spray coming off off the track, unbelievable. Never seen anything like um, that. No, no, absolutely spectacular. Perhaps the most spectacular thing to come off the KTM test. Yeah, it certainly wasn't full of bright moments at all. No, I'll, I'll talk about the KTM test more as a whole when we move on um, to the to the factory squad in a little bit. Before we do get on to the test, I've got a question for you, Josh. Okay. Last two teams we've mentioned, as you said, both amazing liveries. Which one's your yeah. favourite? Oh, now that's a question. Uh, I think I've got to go with the Tektuar KTM. It's just something you don't see very often that's striking. I have to agree. I have to agree. It is my favourite on the grid at the moment. Closely followed by yeah, the, yeah. the Castrol colours of the LCR, but it just pips it. It's just... Like you said, it's just striking. Exactly. And I really hope it turns out to be like flaming 
Agent Orange <laughs> on the grid with the results as well and not just a tangerine sat yeah. at the back. <laughs> the next team we come on to is the Pramac Ducati. Last season, they had Jack Miller, Pecco Bagnaia. It seems to be a bit of a theme with Ducati this season, but it's an all-new Royal lineup. We have Zarco, as previously mentioned, moving up from the Avintia team into the Pramac squad. And he's joined by yet another rookie, Jorge Martin, who was moved up from the KTM Moto2 team. From a, like a few of the tweets that we've seen around the time of people getting announced in the, in the KTM side of things, with, I think it was mainly with Petrucci, he didn't seem too pleased that he wasn't getting a GP ride with the KTM team, considering he was there leading rider in the Moto2. I feel like he, he, he thought yeah, yeah. it was his like, birthright as such to move up into the next, into the GP team with KTM. Yeah, and I mean, it's there's been some interesting moves by KTM in terms of moving people up in the last few years. So, like Brad Binder going straight to the factory yeah. team. So, they're doing it they a different are. way. Interesting when you compare it to what we're seeing within Ducati, which is clearly a pro- progression scheme that is working. Certainly. And KTM have done a, This is what surprised me the most is that if you look through, I know I'm kind of jumping ahead to you, to KTM here, but Oliveira, Binder, they've all come up through Moto3. Well, first of all, Red Bull rookies. Moto three KTM yeah. team, Moto two KTM team, now the GP team. It's they've it's the whole structure. Obviously, he didn't Jorge Martin wasn't with them in Moto three, but once he was in them in Moto two, it's like well, the next progression is him going to be the GP team. Yeah, yeah, and you you believe you know with the two KTM teams on the grid that if Petrucci hadn't been signed there, would he have been I, there? I think I actually think he would have if they would have just held back a bit. I think I don't think Petrucci would have got that ride with his results as we talked about, and I think that would have been Jorge Martins' ride. Mm. But very strange how the some of the cards yes, are falling. So he didn't seem best pleased with some of the tweets, but I do think it's worked out for him in the best way for the former Moto Three champion because the Ducati with the Pramac, we've seen it's been a very, very, very good bike for. The last few years, so it's, it's it's a good solid team to go into, and like you've just mentioned, the, they've got good progression up through the teams. Also, looking at the other side of the garage with Johan Zarka, his last season first with Ducati. I I was very impressed with what I saw. He was yeah, very yeah. I wouldn't say very consistent. He was just he was a lot better than what you'd expect him to be for a first season, and especially with the Avintia's never been a team that you'd constantly see in the top 10. When you look at the progression he made with that team throughout the year, by race three, he's got pole position and he finishes on the podium in third. I mean, admittedly, it goes downhill a little bit after that with that spectacular incident at Austria. I mean, I say spectacular, I actually mean nightmarish. I I really wish they'd just stop showing replays over it on social media. I mean, at least we know it yeah, ends well. That's true. Uh, maybe the brightest moment from Zarco's season was back at Renault, like you mentioned, but not for the reasons. Who can forget the long lap penalty? 
Oh, just perfection. That must have been practiced. He said he didn't. He said he did not practice it once. Well, that. I mean, the one thing is, for sponsors, if you want to get your bike on TV, Zarko is perhaps yes. your man. He was, he was definitely benefited last season with the contract he signed, having more factory Ducati um, mechanics being into his side of the garage. That was the main reason. Because he, he said he, he's bad-mouthed of Inter in the past. So yeah. that to sweeten yeah. the deal for him to come in there in the first place. Yeah, and it, it was a Ducati contract. Yeah. 100%. Which is... As, as soon as the rumours were with the the Pramaka riders going up, the first name automatically there was Zarko. It was more Zarko's there. Who's going to be joining him if any, if anyone moves? And and I really, really do think Zarko's going to have a good year this year. Really looking forward to it. The yeah. testing he was up there with both of the factory riders, and. That boy is quick in a straight line. I don't know what it is about him, because he's ma- he's making all the other Ducatis look slow, and that's yeah. hard to do. He broke the MotoGP top speed record at two hundred twenty-two point two miles per hour, which is quite remarkable. <laughs> and it's, even, yeah. it's even more yeah. remarkable when you think about it. If it wasn't for the like the sandstorm on the final day with that tailwind, he could have gone even quicker. Which would have been absolutely insane. Ridiculous. Um, very similar to the other two rookies, Jorge Martin, around the same lap times. Again, it's kind of what you'd expect to see. Rookie learning the bike. But he has got the advantage of being on the GP21. Both him and Johan Zarco, yeah. both on this year's Ducati, which is a big bonus again for Jorge Martin, who did have a. I haven't seen any footage of it or photos, but on the like the first shakedown day test, he had a humongous crash. Apparently, At, um, turn three, the quick right, he just went into a little dip and lost the rear. He he was fine, but apparently the bike was absolutely destroyed. Oh, I'm sure they were pleased with him for <laughs> yeah, that. Just what you want at a new team. Well, it's good to find the limit <laughs> yeah. early. But he, he seems in a very confident mood, saying... Yeah, I mean, that, that team with those two, with with uh, Zarko um, and him on there, is very reminiscent of the team the year before. You know, you had Banyaya and you had Miller, and Zarko's in that Miller position of, you know you're primed to yes. do well and you know replacing Pecco with with Martin is, is really that learning yeah, he's spot got he's got the development spot and Zarko's got the we need you to challenge spot exactly exactly if there's if we're gonna get the bikes up that end of the grid the sharp end of the grid I do expect Zarko to be competing at the front at quite a few races this year because like we, like we were saying, he was very competitive early on, straight away off the back with Ducati. Just the third race, he was challenging. So I expect him to be challenging again, quite, but more consistently this year because he's on a better bike. The surroundings of the team are better, especially going to be at the 
Ducati based circuit, so you've got your Qatar, Austria type of circuit. I expect him to be up there challenging for the top step of the podium. Definitely, definitely the right bike, the right man in the right places. Let's see if it all falls together. Let's just hope we see a backflip. (laughs) Yeah, a good one. Not like when he got hit by that bike the other year. He was so lucky. I remember seeing that recently. Just the corner's bike coming through and just, just if that would have just picked up and, oh, it's not worth thinking about. Yeah, very lucky. Uh, so I'm going to move on to one of the factory teams, the Monster Energy Yamaha team. The factory team, are they the top team? I mean, last year, no. No, they were not. Definitely outshone by the Sapan Racing team last year. Certainly. Yamaha in general had those engine troubles to start the year. Um, you know, Rossi in the in the first race of the year breaking down a rarity but and then the whole thing with opening engine cases at the end of the year which cost them those points in the constructors yeah so a strange year from the start really um they they've kept maverick vinales uh retained him for this uh this year six overall last year uh factory yamaha's single win came from him um he gave them three of only four factory podiums you know, very strange to have that. You know, Rossi in the second race of the year gave him that that the podium with a third to only have one win from the pair of factory Yamaha riders. Yeah, it, it's it's like looking at the factory Honda again. It's like never in a million years would you think you go through a season and between the Repsol Honda and the factory Yamaha, you got one win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a, a reoccurring theme, really, for, for Maverick. Start strong, two second places, disappears mid-season, regroups, wins one in the middle, and then disappears again. He's probably the most frustrating racer I've ever watched. Because Friday, Saturday, he's so quick. Then it gets to a Sunday, and it I don't know what happens, but it just doesn't seem to be quick. <laughs> doesn't, yeah, doesn't translate, does it? It seems to get beat up in the first few corners. Then he's really fast at the end when everyone's spread out, so he catches up to within the top 10, top 5, and then occasionally he'll string it all together. But it, I, I was genuinely surprised when I looked and he was sixth in the championship. I didn't think he was quite that high. Yeah, he was only a few Simply points behind, even higher. He was three points behind Paul Espargaro on the factory KTM uh, in the championship at the end of the year. I mean, two wins in the last three years, is that what you expect from a now staple factory rider? No, he, he just hasn't been good enough at all. I mean, surely he's got to prove a point this year, especially when, you know, you've got Frankie Morbidelli, who really, really proved himself last year. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a all-or-nothing type of season for him. He's either yeah. got to then reinstate his first rider status 
and prove why he's in the factory Yamaha team. And if he doesn't do that, yeah. I can't I can't see him being there. Well, he's really got to prove it this year, joined by a new teammate, of course, in Fabio Quattararo, um, the rookie sensation two years ago. Um, last year as well, dream start to the year for, for Fabio, uh, with wins in the first two races at Jerez. And in the first race, you have to say he did beat Mark Marquez. Yeah. Mark was there. He was racing. He made those mistakes. He was unfortunately injured, but you know he was chasing Fabio. Yeah. Um. Then the season unraveled. You know he had that high side at, at Aragon in practice. Smashed his his hip. He manages to go out on a one lap flyer set position. He finishes eighteenth in that race. Yeah, I th- I I think um, coming out after the race, I think they had like a tire pressure issue or something. That was just causing it to yeah. really overheat. But when you when you look at the rounds following, the last three rounds of the year, 14th, DNF, 14th. Now, is this championship contention pressure? Was it the injury? We know there were issues with, with Yamaha. You know, we, we, we won't ever get a clear answer no. on this, but the dreams start to the end. And for me, you know, it really did unravel for him. Mm. I, I um, think if he... Would have remained on the, it would have been the 2019 by class season with same as Morbidelli did. I think he would have been a lot better because I think there was something maybe fundamentally wrong with the 2020 bike. Yeah, which will uh, be interesting for for Frankie this year. But yes, because we'll, we'll he's got there. that bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that one in a little bit. Yeah, um, this year looking at the test. Both Yamaha riders topped the the tests uh, on average lap times. Uh, Fabio Quattararo and then uh, Maverick eight seconds behind. Um, only two riders to average lap times in the uh, 154s. Um, although down on top speed, 16th and 18th respectively. But when you're looking at the Ducatis in front... Um, not not up there again, and with uh, with uh, Paul Espargaro's Honda up there as well. But the lap times, putting it all together, really really impressive from the team. That that's always been the the Yamaha staple of like basically last season, Friday Saturday, really quick. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens in a race situation. Yeah. Um, I, I Fabio Fabio said himself that he's worried. For the two two Qatar races, because especially with the speed traps and the length of the straight, that he himself feels like they just may get swamped. Mm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether, you know, like we said, they can put a, a fast lap time in, but when there's bikes around them and you're getting cut up when you're trying to make up that speed in the corners, is it going to yeah. work there? And, you know, I'll move on to our next team which is the Red Bull uh, KTM factory racing team, um, who again seems um, Qatar not be their track. Uh, I mean, what a year the Red Bull KTM team had last year. Three wins combined from the now factory racing duo of Brad Binder and new teammate Miguel Oliveira, um, who joins from the, the Tectoir squad uh, from last year. 
Ended the year with a dominating victory at Portimao. I mean, so impressive. Pole, fastest lap, win, untouchable. Yeah, he was absolutely... He was different different worldly. Yeah, yeah. Finishing ninth uh, for Oliveira and 11th for, for Binder in the last year's championship. For me, this is a really exciting pair of riders to have in one team. Um, you know, young, ambitious... Proven winners, if the bike works, why not? Certainly, and then they're a good, they're a good duo together because Oliveira is like the the really he's like Doviesque is in like very smart, everything's calculated. Yeah, yeah. Where Binder, not so much, not as bad as his brother. No, no, not the dive bomb Binder. Not the not dive bomb, but. He's still very aggressive. Yeah. And he yeah. can be a little crash happy. Well, I think the key may be consistency for these two. Three and four DNFs, respectively, last year, none of which were mechanical. Um, yeah. About average for the field, probably, last year. But, you know, when they are staying on the bike, they've got to get into the high end of the top tens regularly, I think. Definitely. Um. Testing, as we mentioned earlier, not so great for KTM as a whole. All four riders outside the top 10 in average average lap times and top speeds. Oliveira, the most successful at 11th um, with a brand new bike. Petrucci, 17th. Okay, he's new to the team, but again, it's a new bike for everyone. And then Binder and uh, Ike Lequina, 21st and 22nd. Is that alarm bells? Certainly. Because for it's a prove that they're proven race winners. They've won multiple races, and the th- the thing is, it, it, obviously Qatar. It's a quick track, as in like powerful bikes tend to do well, like the Ducatis. Yeah, uh, I mean, but 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 the KTM it it won at Austria. It did, it did, and you know they've they've got a really good test rider in Danny Pedrosa. In my opinion, yeah. probably the best test rider in Danny Pedrosa. Yes. And did the track suit the bikes? Probably not. Crashes for all but Oliveira. Stringing together competitive laps. Yes. Room for improvement. Definitely, I would say. Definitely. I I do think it's definitely not their their track. Different tracks obviously will suit them better, but it's not what you want to see when you bring a new bike. No. It'll be interesting to see what they do in that race situation. Um, and I mean, one bike that definitely suits this track is is one of the teams you've been looking into, the uh, the Lenovo Ducati team for this year. Yes, the, the big red Ducati. Again, it's been like, the, it, it must be the staple of the Ducati way this year. Two new riders. Every single Ducati team so far has had Brand new set of riders in. Both of these have been promoted from the Pramac. They are Jack Miller and Pekka Bagnaya. Um, Jack himself was very impressive last year. He was, in my, in my opinion, he, he was the best year to date that he's ever had in the GP category. He was battled for race wins on multiple occasions Every single race that he finished, he was in the top 10, which is really good in terms of consistency. 
because like we saw earlier, quite a lot, like the factory Yamahas, a lot of their worst results were outside the top 10, which if you're going to be challenging for titles, you you can't be outside the top 10 on a consistent basis. Yeah, definitely. He ended the season in seventh place, but he was only seven points behind third place. Now he's moving up to the full factory. I do expect him to build upon this last season and I do expect him to compete for the championship in a similar style to what um, Davizioso did. Yeah, yeah. And I think with Jack as well, there was, you know, definitely a couple of breakdowns in there. He was taken out by, I think it was Oliveira at one of the uh, Aragon races. Oh, it was Binder. Binder, Binder, yeah. Um, So, you know, a bit of bad luck in there. There's very easily at least seven points available to him within those situations. So, be be interesting to see how he goes. Certainly, you can you can tell he's matured and be able to look after a bike full of full full race distance in terms of tire consumption. I think it was really really sh- shone in that um, the Valencia race with the second place. With that, bat- he managed to because we all know Morbidelli's like just metronomic tick ticks off yeah. the laps, ultra consistent. To be able to stay with him on. What not really a Ducati circuit? It certainly favours the Yamaha. I'd say Valencia, and the fact he was able to keep up with him and then gain him on the last couple laps and then be able to have the little battle. Yes, he didn't win the battle, but it showed a lot to be able to battle because we've seen in the past with Morbidelli's wins when he's got to the front, he's gone. That's yeah. him. He's Disappears gone. into the distance. Exactly. Pecco on the other side of the garage, bit of a bit of a different story. Like we said earlier, he was in that like the development seat essentially from Pramac from when he came up. Uh, first season he was a bit so-so, gradually improved, which was always a good good sign. And then he started last season extremely well. He was very unfortunate not to score points. Like really big points in the first set of races. He he blew up while he was running in what really looked to be a nailed on podium in um I think it was the second race at a ref. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then next week they go to Bruno, he breaks his leg in in the Friday practice yeah, session. And that's the three so rounds. He misses that yeah. race. Then he misses the two Austria races, which like we've said before, it's a Ducati track. You'd expect him to score good points there. But what a return. Yes, coming back with that second place at San Marino, he looked awesome. Yeah, fastest then, lap in that race and the next race. Yeah, it's just a shame he binned it from when he was yeah, leading. Yeah, heartbreaking moment. It was certainly heartbreaking because you thought, this is this is his season, He's this is the time he steps up and becomes a really really good rider and shows his worth and that and then he that's when I think he did sign the deal to move up to the factory team it was around then but after then his his results really really went downhill the remaining seven races he only had one top ten finish which is definitely not good enough for a factory Ducati no, and is it the uh, 
the motivation of signing a contract. I mean, probably not, but you always throw it out there, don't you? But the potential yeah. is certainly there for Peko. Um, yeah. And, you know, with the it, the it, other VR46 Academy boys coming to, to join him in the class, it might give him a bit of a yeah. push. Yeah, it's all going to be dependent. Which Peko do we see? Do we see the first half of the season where he looked like he could win every single race? Or we're we going to see the second half of the season where he's struggling to even get into the top ten. It's going to be really important that for him, it's certainly the first half, the the first half. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, with that factory support around him, like we've said, it's uh, the learning years of Pramac are behind him. Definitely, this is his time. He's now yeah. or never. Yeah. Looking into the testing, it, he's he's been really good. Both him and Jack Miller been together towards the top ends of the top ends of the timing. Obviously, like we've already said, Qatar is a strong circuit for the Ducati, so it will be interesting to see how they do get on at the other tracks, and that will be key to their their like title challenge. I do think. Same as last year, Miller's going to be the number one rider in the team, with Peko taking like the second rider seat. But I definitely think Miller's going to be there fighting for the championship, and I think Peko, especially if he shows the first first half of the season form, will be a very good wingman. Yeah, yeah. No reason at the beginning of the year to see what's going to happen between the two of them. Yes, because if if he does get that type of form that he showed at the beginning of the season, he could be the one fighting for the championship. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, there's uh, definitely seen surprises come through teams of of which rider becomes the lead rider. Um, the, the next team we're going to look at, the uh, Petronas Yamaha um, SRT team. This is a, a team of two halves, really. Um, talking of teammates that outshone towards the end of the year, Frankie Morbidelli fantastic year second in the championship five podiums three wins one from a pole position you know overachiever is that right because we expected things from frankie did we expect that much you could say yes i i think the main issue was how good his teammate was in the beginning yeah when he first came in the fact that he was there challenging with Mark every single weekend kind of made Morbidelli look bad, even though he was still getting really good results. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you look at the consistency through the year for Frankie, so these are races that he finished. He did have three non-finishes throughout the year. But the races he finished, fifth, second, 15th, which is really an outlier in this, first, ninth, fourth, sixth, first, eleventh, first, third. Again, it's just those, like I mentioned earlier, you, you can't be finishing outside the top ten. Those two top ten outside of finishes yeah. really killed his title challenge. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the the difference in points, he had the same amount of non-finishers as the eventual champion, Johan Mir. So... Yeah, it's the consistency in where you finish, when you finish. Um, 
Um, the early one was fifteenth. Did you say? Yeah, yeah, that was. Was that a Masana? No, that was the uh, Styrian Grand Prix after he got uh, the spectacular oh. crash uh, with Zarco the week uh, before. I think we, I think we can give him a pass yeah, for that. Yeah, that's why I say it's a bit of an outlier that one. Um, uh, he stays in the talking of consistency, stays in the same team, third year in a row, knows the team, knows the setup. Uh, Frankie will be on a year-old bike again. Is this a good thing? Looking at last year's bike, if they found the issue, why they weren't as quick, then it shouldn't be an issue. But if they're still in the dark as to why Morbidelli on the 2019 bike was outperforming the all the 2020 bikes, then it will be an issue for him. You've got to believe he'd still be in a better position than being in a two-year-old bike, though. You can say that, but he was outperforming this bike last year, so it's still the same two bikes comparison. Yeah, okay, that's true. So let's hope they've they've found that. I mean, I think we could see big things from Frankie. If you look at the testing, he the expectations are going to be high this year. Third fastest average lap uh, for the test. Uh, 0.135 off the two factory Yamahas on the, the 2021 machines. So he's up there. He's quick. But I think we could see Frankie in the mix. Certainly, because he's, he's got that consistency of just lap after lap after lap after lap. Exactly. After lap. And I want to see him on TV because he has got the beautiful new floral helmet design. I don't know if you've seen this oh, on social media. But yes. Definitely want to see that on TV more often. Certainly. It is. We've got delivery of the year. That'll be the KTM the Tech 3. But that is definitely helmet design of the year. So yeah. Far. Yeah. And, he, and, you know, this year he gets to uh, share a garage with his mentor who knows a bit about uh, the... Uh, the look of a, a world champion, Valentino Rossi. <laughs> yes. Um, we're going to see, is a change as good as a rest this year? You know, he stays on a factory Yamaha contract, Valentino, um, with the Sepang Racing team after his worst ever championship finish last year, 15th. Beginning of the year. It's hard to imagine. It, it is. And, you know, the beginning of the year, it was fairly Rossi-esque. After an electrical issue, race one, he finishes third, fifth, fifth, ninth, fourth. Then he didn't score for six races. Now, Valentino Rossi did not score a point for six races. It's quite a remarkable stat when you put it like that. Yeah. Uh, You know, a few uncharacteristic spills, especially that turn two, Le Mans, crash yes very strange you know a bit of bad luck and then catching covid he misses two races and then another engine breakdown two two 12th places to end the year with you know covid fatigue as well and it culminates in 15th yeah because that 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 is the main issue with this like terrible disease it's like it affects everybody differently. You don't, you, we don't really know what he was still going through towards the end of the season. If how how bad it's affected him, it's um, 
you could tell it had taken a toll on him. He was very ill. Yeah. Um, first time on a satellite team bike since 2001 when he first won his, his first MotoGP world title. Could it happen again? Um, I, I can't see it personally. He did say he's found something in the test. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he, the test half a second off his replacement in Fabio Cotteraro in the in the factory team. On an average lap time, it put him 12th, but fastest average top speed of the four Yamahas. Is this not being in a factory team, is it going to be beneficial for him? Potentially. He's, he's never been shy to change scenery. No. Albeit, it's usually just been with his background team. Like it was last, was it a couple of years ago when he just when he swapped out Jeremy Burgess? Yeah, yeah. For the Moto Two guy, which was came as a big shock to everyone, I think. And it's good to see, you know, he's talked about feeling comfortable in that team, and we've seen what that team can do, not only in MotoGP, but you know, in, into Moto Two and Moto Three with the likes of John McPhee, Jake Dixon, um. So a good place to be, I think. I think you're probably right. Perhaps not challenging for the very sharp end of the World Championship, but I certainly wouldn't expect another 15th place. No. I've got a hypothetical question for you, though. Yep. If you could swap which rider was on this year's machine in this team, who would you put on this year's bike? If I was in charge of... If you... If you were in charge of SRT racing. And say the contracts didn't matter too much because obviously Rossi has a bit yeah, of pull. Yeah. <laughs> um, personally, I'd put more Modelli on it. Why would you do that? Going off last season, I just think he's, he's obviously got more future. Yeah. <laughs> And he's, I think he deserves it. He's, he's, he, he works hard. He's consistent. He wins races. It's, he, de- he deserves to be on this year's bike. Yeah. And those were all the positive thoughts I thought for, for uh, Morbidelli being on, on this year's bike as well. And then it follows the Pramac model, the Ducati model. Put the guy you think is going to win on the, this year's bike as we've seen in previous years. Yeah. But who better to develop your racing bike for this year whilst racing it than the doctor? That is true. So I was really torn when I I posed this question to myself earlier today, which I often do, (laughs) (laughs) was do you go for the top three guys all could win the championship on that year's machine or do you have someone who's going to develop that bike whilst racing it and potentially you know top five results to help those factory riders i don't know i don't know you you know you you said frankie and that's a completely valid argument i would say i just think it's an interesting one definitely 
Because it's probably you got a greater chance of one rider winning the championship if two people are going for it than three. Because you get to the point where if they're all performing at the same level, they just start taking points off each yeah. other. So now moving on to the final team and manufacturer, we have Suzuki. They've got the same rider lineup as last year, which was so successful in winning the team championship and the rider, rider championship. With yeah, so there. close to the constructors as well. Yes, certainly it was. I think I think what hindered them there was maybe just the fact they've only got the two bikes. Yeah, yeah. Where Ducati they got and Yamaha and Honda all got points from their satellite. Yeah, teams. well, I I mean Honda especially was the manufacturer of points all came from Nakagami at the beginning of the year. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I think it's probably fair to say that not many people saw that coming with Suzuki winning the riders and the team I'd agree with that. I, I didn't see that coming. I'll I, I tell you what, no, out of the two riders at the beginning of the year, I wouldn't have picked Mir either. Certainly not, because Mir, his rookie season was the, the year before. He had a best, best position of fifth place. That was his best finish. And he did gradually improve over the season, but Rins had the two wins the previous season. It was really looking like, well, it, Rins was the leader of the team. He was the number one rider. Yeah, yeah. Mir was. I mean, that, two. that race where he beat Mark Marquez at Silverstone, the, oh, um, that was I sublime. was jumping up and down on my sofa, much to my girlfriend's chagrin. <laughs> It was that was an amazing finish to a race, and I I thought it like you said, if someone's going to do it, it's going to be Rins. But overall, it was a bit like we mentioned earlier with Bastianini. It was just consistency that's that won in the yeah. title. Just just kept picking up them top fives, and then I'm so glad he did pick up. Oh the win. yeah, definitely. I mean, to to be a world champion without a win. Just doesn't feel quite right, does it? No, if if he didn't, if he wouldn't have won, I, he's still hundred. Oh yeah, definitely. It. Yeah, he it's just the the the, the crowning moment. Exactly. I mean, Carry talking on. about that consistency, it, we said earlier three DNFs, but outside of that, he had one finish outside the top ten, and that was eleventh. And that was yeah. in the wet. Yeah, in France. I think in the in the first race in Jerez, I think he actually might have got took out first corner as well. I think he was. I think he definitely got tangled mm. up with someone, or that may have been Czech Republic. Yeah, yeah. They... He may have been the first corner in Bruno where he got took. To, to yeah, out. they were his two non finishes, and then obviously the technical issue at the end of the year at Portimao. Yeah, I think that technical issue was more brought on about with him. Absolutely T-boning Bagnaia. <laughs> yeah, potentially. <laughs> I mean... It was, a, it, was a, it was a sad way for him it to end It was a sad way for Bagnaia. both of them, I'd say. Pecco yeah. definitely had a, a sore shoulder after that one. Yeah, it was a dislocation, which isn't how you want to finish the season. I think that summed up the second half of Pecco's season. But moving back to Suzuki, Johan Mir was absolutely awesome. All season long. 
I think that I think that showed like a projection on BT Sport of like the positions as they went through this, t- and you could just see him gradually working his way up. And you had you had um, Fabio started quick and then dropped off, but he was just there, just plugging yeah, away, yeah, being ever Mister. I mean, even when you got to round four in Austria, and you look at two DNFs and a fifth place. And you tell me he's going to win the championship at the end of the year. Mm. He, if my memory serves me right, he should have won that Austria race if it wasn't for the red flag. It was the Styria race. He was leading and then Maverick's brakes failed. And then Maverick caught... Well, it, didn't, it wasn't his fault. <laughs> he had to just jump off a bike because he wouldn't stop. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he should have won the Styrian Grand Prix. And Paul had the same unfortunate at the first Austria race. It was really a bonkers 2020. Oh, yeah. yeah. But fantastic in so many ways. And such a great, great championship. So, you know, incredibly different due to the circumstances around the globe. But, you know, through lockdowns in in this country, in the UK... I, you know, it kept me going. It was brilliant, brilliant yeah. to watch. Um, you yeah. know, hopefully we can have fran- uh, fans trackside this year and, uh, you know, we'll be able to watch them racing together. Yes, hopefully that would be great. Uh, looking at the Suzuki tests, um, I'd say they're roughly where you expected them to be. Uh, just sitting below the Ducatis and the Yamaha, because we know... Yamaha is always going to be quick because they always are one lap pace consistently, always quick on their own, and it's a Ducati track. But they were just sitting there just below the two of them, not far off, where I'd kind of expect them to be, and I feel like this is going to be another strong season. And to be fair, looking at them, I again, now I know what me is capable of, but I still couldn't pick... If I was going to pick a favourite for the championship out of, say, the contender for Suzuki, I wouldn't be able to say, oh, it's Mir or, oh, it's Rins. Because you can see both of them just being able just to, yeah, to dominate. Yeah, definitely to be up the sharp end. I'd expect them both to be there. So, I mean, yeah, uh, that is a change from the beginning of last year where you'd have picked Rins. But 100%. Because some would argue now Mir's obviously being the champion, he's the number one rider in that team. I don't think Rins is going to like I that I mean, one the only bit. thing I have to say I'm disappointed in is that Mia did not choose to run the number one plate. Yeah, that that was a big... Well, I mean, there's moment. so much in merchandising these days, isn't there? Look at Rossi, 46 yeah. all the way through. I, I, I've always been a big fan of number one because at the end of the day, how many times do you... Unless you're a Rossi or a Marquez, how many times do you win a World yeah, Championship? Yeah, exactly. And that, you know... I'd love to see a number one out there, but not to be this year. No, because Mark doesn't run it. Rossi never ran it. And they've been the, basically the serial winners. And Le- I don't think Lorenzo... I think the last person to run it was um, Stoner, wasn't it? Uh, did Jorge run it after Stoner? Or was it before? I'm not sure if... I don't think he did in the one he won last time. These most recent one. Um, I don't think he ran the number one after that. The last two are definitely Stoner and Lorenzo. Yeah. It's been a while since we've seen a number one. It's a shame. 
But he has got the number one on the back of his leathers. Where he's got Mir, he's got the eye as a number Well, that will have to do for this year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, it all looks very competitive. I look forward to the start of the year. And, of course, that is a week on Sunday, March the 28th. And we start off the first one of the two uh, doubleheaders at LaSalle with the Bawa Grand Prix of Qatar. Yes, and it's... On the Suzuki note, they've been the smart team regarding this. Every other team, they've had some people of the team and some riders have gone back to their countries, or usually Italy and Spain. Suzuki are the only team that have all stayed there in Qatar. Which could be very smart, because of course Qatar has been added to the UK travel ban. Or not travel ban list, yes. but the, uh, the, the red, red list. list. Yeah, The two-week quarantine list. Mm. So... Smart move, I'd agree. Staying out. Uh, we're going to move on to a section, uh, the rising star section. So uh, every time we are going to look at someone we believe who's either come up into a new class or on a race weekend has a particularly outstanding performance. Um, our rising star section is brought to uh, brought to you by Beyond Motorsport, the only organisation offering career transition support for the motorsport community. Uh, this week's rising star is Anea Bastianini. We have talked about him a bit early on, uh, but who better to start with than the reigning Moto2 champion? Yes, it's. It's the consistency that really sells him for me. Because there's, there's all about being quick. All the elite riders be, be quick. But can you be quick week in, week out? And when you're not at your best, can you still pick up those really Yeah, I thoughts? mean, looking at his past career, it, it was fourth in the Red Bull Rookies in 2013, which, I mean, when you watch those races, every race <laughs> is like a bar fight. <laughs> It's 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 Moto three. Yeah, on exactly. So fourth in the Red Bull Rookies Cup in 2013, uh, he comes into Moto three with Grassini. Third in 2015, second in 2016. Then he moves up to Moto two. Uh, oh no, he stayed stayed in Moto three for a couple of years after that, but moves up to Moto two, and then the consistency there, like you said, he was uh, with the Iltrans Racing team on the Calex in 2020, his first world title, he had one DNF, which was that horrendous high side at Austria. Uh, but the high side itself wasn't that bad. But when Siren hit that bike... Oh, I, I was fearing the worst. You've, you've seen so many bad accidents like that in the in the past. And, you know, for Siren to come away uh, just a bit battered and bruised was... Unbelievable. But the only DNF of the year. Yeah. And uh, you know, even when he was when when he was struggling, one finish outside the top ten and that was in eleventh place. That's what you need to do to be a world champion. And I do he really looks like he suits the bigger bikes. Yeah, and like we've said, um going up to join that Avintia team, he was the faster of the two teammates at the test. Um, a little bit off the the factory backed boys, uh, but I believe we can expect big things from an air. 
Yeah, he, he even beat um, Jorge Martin, who's on the 2021. Exactly. So, Primer. top rookie of the Ducati yeah. core. Which says a lot because they're all talented boys in that team. Some of the best young riders that have been coming through in recent years, you could say. Exactly. So, for Anea, we'll obviously track it as the year goes on, as we uh, will with some of our other rising stars. Um, but a great prospect to be, like we said, in that Ducati progression scheme as well. If you're, if you prove your worth, you will be rewarded. So it seems. Certainly. Perhaps until you get to the factory team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that rounds off our first episode of From the Gravel Track podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us this week. And don't forget to go and check out our Twitter, which is at FTGT podcast, where we'll be sharing the images and the videos we talked about earlier. And you can talk and keep up to date on our upcoming episodes and future talking points. <laughs>